0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za Alright guys, so nice to see you. Very happy to see so many people on New Year's Day. It's very encouraging. And uh, I for one have been looking forward to today because that uh, text that we looked at last week was such an encouragement, it was such a blessing to me that as I thought, okay, what are we going to preach for New Year's Day? I couldn't get away from that exact same text and I thought it's definitely time that we looked at that text again and we find out what else is in that text that we didn't see last week. So we're going to go all the way back to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at uh, that little section from verse 26 to 33, and maybe I could read it for us just to refresh our minds, and for those who weren't here, you can uh, get back into the text. But maybe before we read the text here today, we can just ask the Lord to help us specifically as we open His Word again. Lord, thank You for this wonderful day. Thank You, Lord, for the blessing that we have, this Uh, Sunday after Sunday, meeting together to open the Word of God and to be blessed by it. Thank you, Lord, that you wrote this. You wrote this on the page for us, and you wrote it for us to enjoy. You wrote it for us to look at and be encouraged and find hope. Lord, you know that we need joy. You know that we need encouragement. You know we need hope because this is a difficult world. It's a very painful world. And Lord, as Blake was saying, Even none of us knew what was going to happen in 2022 and in the same way before we go through 2023 we know that there's so many things that lie ahead of us and we really need hope. We really need encouragement, we really need joy, we need motivation and power to get through this this year. Lord you know we're frail, you know that we're weak, you know our full humanity because you've been human. You've been fully human. You know what it's like to be a human being. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage us for that today. That this text would come alive to us. By your Spirit, did you work in our hearts and open our eyes to see beautiful things. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to be encouraged by what we see here today. And we pray these things in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Alright, so Luke chapter 1. You remember last time we were looking at... Just these few little moments as the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to become pregnant. And as sure as anything, she did become pregnant and her child was born and we celebrate that child. But he says there in verse 28, the angel went to her, the angel Gabriel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And you remember last week we pointed out the fact that when, when Mary is surprised, the text actually tells us what she was surprised about. You know, she, she wasn't surprised at this glorious being just arriving out of heaven and looking at her. She probably was, but that's not why the text says, says she was surprised. The text says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. What did this angel just say to me? And I could say, what did this angel just say to me? This 15 to 17 year old girl and an angel from heaven appears to her and says, You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Why me, Lord? And I think that was a big surprise for her. What an encouragement for her that an angel of the Lord comes to her and speaks to her. And in verse 30, remember the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, or do not continue to be afraid. Why was Mary afraid? There was this, this strong emotional response in her because this angel comes and tells her that she has found favor with God. That the favor of God has been poured out on her specifically. Why me? Her consciousness of her own fallenness. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Isn't that amazing, Mary? (laughs) He's trying to encourage her to stop wasting this moment by being afraid. Enjoy, you know, abandon yourself to the joy of this moment, this true, this reality. God's pleased with you. The favor of God is upon you. And you remember last week I was saying how difficult it is for us, even as believers today, to abandon ourselves or make ourselves vulnerable to the fact that God's favor is upon me and it's never going to be taken away and that's in spite of my sinfulness in spite of the things that I'm aware of in my life that displease God what a joy to be able to say in spite of who I am the favor of God is upon me and that's pretty much what the angel is calling Mary to do he says to her in verse 31 you will be with child or literally remember you will become pregnant in your womb and give birth to a son and you remember that was a date of of advantage saying and this is a good thing this is not a bad thing you're 15 years old you're not yet married and you're going to have a son and she's like oh no oh no and the angel says no this is a good thing this is not a bad thing this is an advantage you are to give him the name Jesus remember Jehovah saves and in that we saw that his name was one of the most ordinary names available in the time so he was he was, you know, in the same name, he's like just like everybody else. I want to say a common name, but I don't want to say a common name because it might be your name. <laughs> and then you'll say, huh, oh, what's common about my name? But it was a common name, just like everybody else had, Jesus was a common name in those days. So he was just like everybody else in that way. But the fact is that his name means Jehovah saves, and he was the Jehovah who saves. What a glorious reality. But then notice in verse 32, the angel goes on and he says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. What a glorious little child this is. Today we're celebrating Garnet and No Matters' baby, born a few minutes after midnight. Imagine holding this tiny little baby and God says to you through the angel Gabriel, He will be called the Son of the Most High what an honor to hold a baby like that. It's an honor to hold a baby. Imagine the honor of holding a baby who has a name like this. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Big, 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 big words of a tiny, tiny, tiny little baby. Eh? It's just being conceived in the womb by the Holy Spirit. And Mary's going to become aware of that with time. And notice this one thing. I didn't point this out last week, but here is a confirmation of this interpretation of the text that Mary's surprised that the angel said, You have found favor with God. Remember in the Magnificat, Mary says in verses 46 to 48, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Why? Why is she rejoicing? Because she says in verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. The angel comes to this woman. It's like, I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. And God's favor is upon me. How can that possibly be? Isn't that amazing? Okay, so as we as we get back into this text, obviously it seems we've found everything, but we haven't found everything uh, at this stage yet, have we? So here's Mary. She's probably the most qualified person on the planet to be able to attest to the full humanity of Jesus Christ. She's known Him. She's been pregnant with Him. She's carried Him in her womb for nine months. He's born. She was there. She's the one who gave birth to Him. She knows He's fully human. When that baby's born, his cord has to be cut, just like every other baby. She has to go through a, a time of of healing after giving birth. She's the one who has just doesn't even sound right, but she's the one who's changed Jesus' nappies. She knows he's fully human. There's nothing godlike about changing a nappy, is there? But she has God in human flesh, and Mary's changing his nappy. She can see he's fully human. She's the one who's been breastfeeding him. She's the one who's been singing Jesus to sleep at night. There's God in Jesus, in God in in Mary's arms. And she's singing God in flesh to sleep at night. She knows how human he is. She knows when he struggles to sleep. And she sings him and she calms him. She knows that he's fully human when she teaches him to walk. Mary teaches God incarnate to walk. The one who created the universe, she's seen his full humanity. She's the one probably in the home who took the lion's share of teaching him how to read and write. He couldn't read, he couldn't write. And Mary goes over the letters teaching him bit by bit how how to write basic letters. She's the one who spent so much time with him and helped him to understand the world around him. Imagine the birds. Imagine all the little creeping bugs on the ground that she taught him about. Dogs, cats, even speaking about God, explaining the concept of God to God incarnate. As he grows up and he and he learns, just like any other human being learns. Mary is so qualified. To say to us, yes, I know that this boy is fully human. In, in one way of speaking, there's nothing extraordinary about him at all. Because Jesus was made like his brothers in every way. But it was extraordinary that he was without sin. That, made her, that puzzled her heart all the time, doesn't it? It was Mary probably who sat with him a lot of the time. And explained the Old Testament scriptures to him. I wonder at what time he began to feel those pricklings in his heart when he heard these messianic songs, when he read all of these prophecies about the Messiah. Imagine how thrilling it was for him as a little baby growing up and feeling the strong sense of, I belong here. This, This text is written about me. As he came to understand as a human being, where he fits in in the Old Testament scriptures. What a thrilling experience. Imagine Mary sitting with Him, God incarnate, explaining how to solve problems. Think about Just stop for a moment and think about this problem. And to, to Mary, it's just an ordinary everyday thing. Maybe like tying shoelaces, you know, sandal laces, I don't know. But imagine, imagine Mary saying to Him, no, you can do it. I'll help you, you know, and explaining how these, these knots work. Imagine Mary explaining to God incarnate how to tie a knot. You know, or how to put something in a bag, or how to eat with a fork or whatever he ate with. You know, imagine imagine Mary explaining those things to him. She knew, my point is, she knew she was the one who was most qualified to attest to his his humanity. But now, let's have a look at this this other aspect. Not only is Mary giving birth to and bringing up this little child? But Mary is becoming conscious year after year that it is absolutely true what she said in the Magnificat, for He, the Lord, has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. She understood the, the more that child grew, the more he grew in wisdom, the more his, his body grew and he became and he grew into an adult, she could tell the difference between him and her. In, in one way, He left her far behind, didn't He? Because He's without sin. In character, He's absolutely perfect. And can you imagine Mary being an authority figure in Jesus' life, yet He surpasses her morally. He surpasses her in quality of character. He she, she probably feels like a child still, bringing up this man of God. This man is absolutely perfect. Not a single wrong motive. Not a single wrong attitude, not a single wrong action. Imagine how small Mary must have felt as Jesus excelled beyond her. But she's still an authority figure in his life. I think that there must have been some very, very awkward moments in that house as as Mary exercises authority over Jesus and it becomes obvious that he has surpassed her. He doesn't have to correct him, he's the one who could correct her, but he submits to her authority. Beautiful, beautiful picture. So she can see the difference. And imagine, I just want to take you all the way to Mary when she's probably in her late 40s. She's probably 46, 47, maybe 49 at a push. And she's standing at the foot of the cross of her own son. Can you imagine what it was for that mother to have been confronted by Gabriel, the angel, and saying, you're going to become pregnant and you're going to give birth to a son and he's going to be called the son of the most high. The Lord is going to give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And there she stands at the foot of his cross. Lord, what is, what is happening here? Not only the confusion about what's happening in her mind, but the fact that this is her boy, this is her son. It's my Jesus. She's known Him intimately all of these years, and she sees Him nailed to a cross. He's so precious to her, that those moments for her must have been out of this world. Can you imagine as she stands and she watches her own son dying on the cross and he says to her from the cross to you know to John and Mary he he connects them as mother and son and he says this this man John is going to look after you like you his mother he's even caring for her from the cross this beautiful boy has become a a beautiful man. And when, when Jesus says to His mom, Dear woman, it's interesting how He says, Dear woman, when she's crying at the foot of the cross. It's almost it's almost like that, that same message coming to her from the angel. Remember when the angel comes and says, You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Here's God incarnate on the cross. And here's this woman, she's approaching 50 years old, and she's an absolute tragedy that her son is dying and God incarnate on the cross shows her favor again and says dear woman here I'm making a plan even though I'm dying I'm making a plan for you to be kept safe and to be comforted as I die and he connects her to John how beautiful you can imagine Mary you know what is it what is going on here how is it that I can find such favor with God he's saying dear woman when he's thinking of her in her humble state she knows how perfect jesus is and how what a failure she is and jesus is still being so kind to her it's an overwhelming experience and some of the verses here that i haven't been able to get off my heart for years and years but they've come back to me again while i've been studying this text firstly is luke chapter 2 verse 19 you remember Jesus in the temple when He's 12 years old and remember how He gets left behind and the parents start freaking out and they come back to find Him. And Mary says, what are you doing? You know, And He says, didn't you know I was supposed to be here in my Father's house? But then in verse, uh, verse 51 of Luke 2, it says there, but His mother treasured all these things in her heart. She sort of stored them up and she thought about them deeply. They became precious to her. In the beginning in Luke 2 verse 19 that I mentioned a moment ago when the shepherds come to see Jesus as He's a baby. Mary's sitting watching all of these shepherds and they're praising God and it says exactly the same thing but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Can you imagine a lifetime of treasuring Moment by moment by moment of an absolutely perfect son. And now here he is. They're killing him. They're actually killing him. My perfect boy. All of these special, precious, beautiful memories. This precious, beautiful relationship. Flooding Mary's mind. And they're putting him to death. Beautiful, valuable person is dying right in front of mary's eyes she can see he's human he's dying like an ordinary man he's actually bleeding out and he's dying imagine this experience for mary imagine what it was like for her i mean what what a roller coaster you know within 33 years from from the first moment having no clue what is about to happen before that angel appears to her, and then after 33 years, she's she's without her son again. It's like, did that really happen? What is, what is this all about? And that's the first thing Mary can really attest to the humanity of Christ. But now, as we move into this text, we notice in verse 32, this this is not all there is, is it? He's not just fully human, but he's also fully God, isn't he? And then the second point, Mary is not only amazed by God's favor in giving her a fully human child that she can love and nurture and and treasure, but also God has given her a child. The favor of God has been upon her. Can you imagine in those moments when Mary realizes that Jesus has risen from the dead? Yes he's fully human but how can this be can you imagine Mary the words of the angel echoing in her in her mind again as Jesus rises from the dead you know Mary <laughs> you imagine her thinking of those words do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God and you can imagine after Jesus rises those words come true again for her Wow how is it that I can have given birth to this boy? Who lived this absolutely perfect life they killed him and now he's alive again and romans paul really enjoys this moment in romans chapter one where he says i was going to read the whole five verses but just to make the point here from verse three it's the gospel regarding his son the same jesus who as to his human nature was a descendant of david in, in His flesh, He's is a, is a fully human being. And then He says, And who through the Spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by His resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. He didn't become the Son of God when He rose from the dead. It was a declaration. As Jesus rises from the dead, it's an undeniable declaration. This definitely is the Son of God. And you can imagine Mary, how is it that I can be so favored that I will give birth to one called the Son of the Most High? The Son of God, I've given birth to the Son of God. What a glorious reality that is for Mary. As she feels this favor of God building up inside of her again, she's like, this truly was a gift that I had no clue about when the angel Gabriel came to me on that day. The picture is just getting bigger spiraling bigger and bigger as mary appreciates something of the implications of what the angel told her on that day man not only that but we know that shortly after jesus resurrection from the dead he ascends into glory where he's seated at the right hand of god and in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, you remember we read the text about these believers all praying together. And it says in 1, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. You can see what's happened to Mary here and the believers. This this, this whole experience of knowing Jesus and now He's in glory has completely changed their lives. Now they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. They, their whole reality has changed because of this Boy that was born to Mary. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I mean, you know that's significant, don't you? Because the last time we read about Jesus' brothers, they don't even believe that he's the son of God. They just think he's, you know, he's, he's got a big head. They think he wants to become a public figure. They think he wants to become popular. They're kind of mocking him. When they sort of joking with him, you need to go up to Jerusalem, and he says, "No, my time has not yet come." And they're like, "Yeah," <laughs> you know, they probably you know think he's a fool. And now suddenly in Acts chapter one fourteen, you see Jesus' brothers on their knees praying to God because Jesus has revolutionised their whole lives. Their reality has changed. The world has become a different place for them and their world is now centered around this one person, Jesus Christ, this boy who was born to their mother Mary who was their brother their whole lives and now everything is falling into place and they understand it in a new way that they couldn't understand before. And maybe, maybe just at this point, before we move on to our, our final section in the sermon, is maybe like last time we said, it was absolutely critical that Jesus was fully human. God didn't just do that for fun. You know, we, we listed all of those reasons why it was absolutely critical. But maybe today we can just touch on a few reasons why it's absolutely critical that Jesus is also God. The deity of Christ. We speak of the deity of Christ, meaning that Christ is God. The Son is God. is fully God as well as fully man. And some of the reasons are, because firstly, there's no mere human who is able to, to bear the sins of another human being. Nobody can do this. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 49 where the psalmist says, No man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. There's not a single man who's capable. He says in verse 8, The ransom for a life is costly no payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay and if you've sinned and you you need to be ransomed because you've sinned and you've offended god and you read psalm 49 verse 7 you say to yourself oh no oh no no man can redeem the life of another or give to god a ransom for him the ransom for life is costly no payment is ever enough that he can live on forever and not see decay he'll say oh no oh no but praise God in verse 15 of that same psalm the psalmist says but God will redeem my life from the grave and will surely take me to himself say oh isn't there somebody who is man and also God at the same time a man who can pay the ransom that no man can ever pay Yes, there's a man. And it was the man that was was spoken about to Mary when Mary was just an ordinary young girl and going about her, her business. And the angel comes to her and says, you're going to give birth to a son. Yes, he's going to be a son. He's going to be an ordinary son, fully born to you, just like other sons are born. But he's also going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to be God in one, in one person. What a glorious reality. With God and man residing in Jesus. And he's the man who is able to pay enough so that you and I can be saved. I think that's... I find such joy in that man. And then secondly, salvation must come from the Lord. Do you remember Jonah in the, in the great fish's belly under the ocean? And there he's, he's crying out to the Lord. And he realizes in his prayer afterwards that salvation is from the Lord. If God doesn't save, there's no salvation. And then thirdly, only God can be a mediator between God and human beings. Remember what Paul said to Timothy, we read that text last time. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's God and He's man. He's a man. He's God. What a glorious reality. I find joy in these things. And then finally, only God can reveal God to humans. And I like this picture we've got here. got Jesus sitting at the well, speaking to the lady in John chapter 4. You remember this whole exchange. And I love that moment when the lady saying, Yeah, when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all this stuff. And he said, I who speak to you am here. The Messiah is here. The God man is speaking to you. And that lady becomes so, so mixed up in her words. She doesn't even know what to say. She starts almost talking nonsense after that, you know. And she's speaking to God. And she's speaking to God. God is revealing God to ordinary human being. She's not looking at God like Moses on top of the mountain, being terrified with her knees quaking and, you know, wanting to die because she's so terrified. She's looking at this man and she's speaking to God. God is revealing God. Remember what Jesus said to Philip. You know, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And what a beautiful thing that Jesus can speak to this woman and she's revealing God to this woman. Only God can reveal God. And finally, this the main the main thing I want to point out here in this final thing is that when the angel comes to Gabriel, Angel Gabriel comes to Mary, he's not just speaking about this immediate moment, you're gonna give birth to a son. He's saying you're gonna call him, he's gonna be called the son of the most high. And he's saying that the Lord is going to give him the kingdom of his father David. The throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Even before she's conceived, the angel is speaking about his future. His glorious future. His glorious reign. So he's speaking about the whole spread of Mary's experience with this young child. And I think that's what we need to just touch on today. Seriously, I can get carried away when I talk about these things, but I'm really doing my best today to, to give you a rest of a New Year's Day that you can just go home and enjoy. The wonder of Mary in a human boy, the wonder of Mary in this declaration that He truly is divine when He rises from the dead. What an absolute confirmation for her. And then finally the wonder of God the wonder of the favor of God in the reign of this king. When Mary is in the presence of this king right now isn't she? And she's she's looking at Jesus this glorious 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 God man. And he's her son. And she's she's just loving all of the blessings that God has brought her into. But this promise to Mary included a human design a human divine son who's going to have a glorious reign here on earth. He rises from the dead in glory and is seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And the day is going to come for us. I need to encourage you with these words that this same Jesus is going to return. He's coming back for you and me, and that is going to be a day that should bring us the same kind of joy. That Mary had when this angel said. I'm going to give him the throne of his father David. There's going to be glorious things coming for you. And Mary had no idea. He's going to catch his bride away. To be with him forever and ever. He's going to reward every one of us. Who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's going to reward us beyond what we can imagine. In fact reward us for so much. It's going to be difficult to bear all of the rewards. The weight of glory that is going to be placed on us. He's going to judge His enemies in the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation period. And at the end of that seven-year tribulation period, Jesus is going to return to earth with His saints. He's going to touch His feet on the Mount of Olives, the exact place from which He ascended into glory when His disciples were looking up at the sky and the angel said to Him, What are you doing looking up at the sky? You know, Get on with the work now. The same Jesus is going to return. And He's going to return to the, exactly that same place. He's going to judge His enemies again. I mean, He's going to bring in this glorious thousand year millennial kingdom. And He's going to judge His enemies again before we enter into the eternal state. And as I, as I think of all of these things, I mean, Mary, how could Mary have comprehended all of these glories? As the angel comes to her and tells her, You've found favor with God. God is pouring out His favor on you, Mary. She had not even a fraction of an understanding of what that meant. The angel understood. You know, the angel's announcing things to her that she's still trying to grasp. But for us here today, the thing that I'm really calling out upon us to do is to live in this reality. To live as if this is really true, that, that this virgin Mary did conceive. She did have a child, a fully human child. She lived with Him 33 years and she saw Him die. She saw Him rise from the dead. She saw Him ascend into glory. She's with Him in glory right now. And as the advent of the Lord Jesus coming into this world changed everything about her life and everything about the life of Jesus' brothers and thousands upon thousands of believers, so it should be changing our lives in this very day. Just as Mary found favor with God, so God's people find favor with God in all of these realities. Think of Romans 3, 9. I mean, just drink in these words for a moment. John says, well, the risen Christ is saying through John, he says, And God will make your enemies fall down at your feet and acknowledge that God has loved you. Imagine that. Imagine you thinking of all of the people who've wronged you in this world. People who've taken advantage of you. And even if it's not directly, people who've sinned against you indirectly. I think of politicians and some of the evil that politicians have done in this world. And so many people suffer as a result of it. Imagine all of those people coming and bowing down at your feet and saying, You know what? There's one thing I know. God has loved you. God has been so good to you. And if that is true right now, if your enemies are going to fall at your feet in a day to come and say, Yo, You are a person who is loved by God. Look how privileged you are now. And look at the mess that I'm descending into. Surely we can live for that knowledge today. Somebody wrongs me. I can, I can think to myself, the day's going to come when this person's going to fall at my feet and say, God has loved you. They are going to see how privileged I am by God. I don't have to have justice now. This doesn't have to be fixed now. I don't have to be seen to be right in this situation. God's coming for you. This is all going to end up in this way. We know. We have the words of God. And we think of another text. We think of Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5. Where we think of uh, Paul telling the, the Ephesians. But because of his great love for us of God's great love for you as a believer God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions here you've got Mary sitting there the angel comes how is it that I can find such favor with God and you can say exactly the same thing I was dead in my transgressions God came to me and he infused spiritual life he regenerated me and suddenly I can see I found favor with God what a glorious reality We can live with that same joy. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Savior dying on the cross for me when I'm still a filthy sinner. What a mercy. What a glorious reality for a a new year. Psalm 139, I think caps that off so well. And the psalmist says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience for her. And for the psalmist, he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If Mary couldn't understand something of the realities that God was purchasing her into, how much do we understand in this fallen world with our minds that can't think that have been affected by the fall? How little we comprehend. Think of of the glorious things that you're still going to come to know that you don't yet know now. Imagine if Mary couldn't even comprehend the glories that she's experiencing right now. How little do we comprehend? It's worth being motivated by saying, hey, if I'm demotivated, I'm obviously not seeing the full picture. Let me think about this. Let me think about the practicalities of this. It's a new year. God drew Mary into a narrative that would change her forever. And as a believer, you are in this story now as well, forever. It's your narrative. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He encouraged them with those words. What will you accomplish Toward the kingdom this year. If this is the one thing you accomplish, then you've accomplished a lot. This year, go about the action of deliberately reminding yourself that you are in this narrative. I mean, some people live in a fairy tale world, they live in a sort of a movie world they're, where they're the main character in a movie. They're always the hero in the middle of a movie. But you know, that's. That's small motivation compared to realizing and deliberately reminding yourself, I am in this narrative. When this baby was promised to Mary and she's in glory and the king is on his throne and he's returning and all of our enemies are going to bow at our feet and God is, and every one of them is going to say, wow, God has loved you. I want to know what that love is like right now. I want to live for the knowledge of that reality in my heart. want to say i'm a person who's been privileged like mary was privileged and even more treasure it learn to treasure it read the story again slow down through these texts slow down through the gospel and treasure moments treasure words in the text treasure phrases you remember if you go on to my, my WhatsApp status, you'll see, there's this Greek phrase there, okay? And that's one little phrase, two words in the Greek that I just can never get beyond. That phrase is, Christo sunestavrume, I am crucified with Christ. Beautiful, perfect, beautiful little phrase. And I say perfect, because it's in the perfect text. Something happened. And it's having an ongoing effect on me for the rest of my life. I want that to be your reality in 2023. Help the people around you to remember how precious this is. That you, my brother, you, my sister, are in this narrative. You're inside of the story. You are owned and loved and treasured by God Himself. Convince the people around you. If this is all you do in 2023, convince the people around you that this is true, that it's precious and it's valuable and it's wonderful. Convince them. Long for them to see the beauty of Christ in the favour of God. I mean that's a good that's a good goal for 2023. Appreciate, delight in. Find all of your treasure in this glorious narrative and help it to tone the way that you deal with the people around you, convince them that this is really glorious and wonderful because it is, you're not a a fake salesman when you're doing this, it really is wonderful and may this be the year when Jesus returns. In conclusion, today as we enter a new year, over Christmas we have remembered the angel Gabriel announcing Mary's coming pregnancy and birth. The fact that God had chosen to pour out His favor on her was too wonderful for her. She gave birth to a fully human son, whom she treasured all the way through His life until His shocking death by crucifixion. Yet darkness is turned to light for her and for you, believer in the Lord Jesus. When the crucified Christ rises from the dead in a display of power, this world has never seen. His resurrection is a demonstration of the fact that He's fully God. As the God-man, He now reigns in glory and will return to bring His people into His glory forever. This is your story today, Christian. Embrace it. Find your identity in it. Find pleasure in it. And convince other people of it. Lord, thank you for these few moments we've been able to just look at the surprise on Mary's face. And what that surprise moment meant for her as she becomes pregnant and as she gives birth to the son who is, yes, she can see, is so fully human. Yet at the same time, she's so convinced that he's fully God. Thank you, Lord, for absolutely confirming these realities. Thank you that we live as believers in the Lord Jesus. We live inside of the story and we are waiting for our beloved Savior to return from his glorious throne and to catch us away. To be with Him forever. Lord, I pray that You would help us to live in a thrill and in the joy of these realities. Help us, Lord, to treasure each one of us, Lord. Help us to deliberately go out and make it our goal in this year to treasure these things. To treasure the gospel. To treasure Jesus as Mary did. Treasuring these things up in her heart. Please help us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' lovely name.